We all have heard of the benefits of exercise such as improving heart function and reducing heart disease risk as well as chronic disease risks. We also know that exercise can improve energy, mental health and mood. But what do we know about the impacts of exercise on our hormones? How do we use exercise as a therapy to balance hormones during perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and andropause? What about the effects of exercise on stress, on stress hormones, on heat and cold temperatures, and the immune function? Is exercise in a fasted state more beneficial than in a non-fasted state? These questions and more are what I will attempt to answer on today's podcast. This is Dr. Nusheen K. Darvish, your host on this week's Holistic Health Hour. Holistic Health Hour is a community service project dedicated to providing cutting-edge health information for you to help you live your fullest. Holistic Health Hour is sponsored by Holistic Medical Center located in Bellevue, Washington. For more information on the whole body health services provided by Holistic, visit holistic.com. H-O-L-I-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. For more information on podcasts, blogs, etc., visit my site, drdarvish.com, D-R-D-A-R-V-I-S-H.com. Any information provided within this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide any medical guidance, treatments, or diagnoses. Please contact your own physician or one of our holistic physicians for your individual concerns. Welcome everyone, this is Dr. Nusheen Darvish on Holistic Health Hour. So after reviewing over 40 research articles this past weekend, I decided to share with you some of my findings on the effects of exercise on the hormones and the body. There is so much research out there and so much more that is needed on this topic, and there's no way I can cover all of it in this podcast. So I will share with you some of the more interesting recent research on exercise, hormones, and health. Please do keep in mind that majority of the research performed on the effects of exercise have been mainly studied in men. There are very, very few studies on the effects of exercise on women, especially cycling women. So what we do know is that it appears that hormones at various times of the month can impact exercise endurance in women. First of all, let's start with what we know about exercise and the stress response. So exercise does induce a stress response. This stress response triggers the main stress hormone called cortisol and the catecholamines. Catecholamines are epinephrine, dopamine, and norepinephrine. So these are your anti-anxiety hormones and your happy hormones. What is interesting though is that these stress hormones increase even more when the exercise is performed in an environment of heat. The exercise in uh, heat increases the stress hormones, which then cause an increase in our white blood cells. And the more intense exercise is done in a higher amount of heat, the more neutrophils, which are the white blood cells specifically that fight bacteria, are released from our bone marrow. And then 
After exercising in the heat, if we expose ourselves to cold, like taking a cold rinse or washing our hands and feet in cold water or putting a cold pack on the back of our neck, the white blood cell response normalizes and the stress hormones decrease. And then if we go for another bout of exercise in a very, very hot environment, about 30 to 45 minutes after the first dose of exercise on that same day, the white blood cells, especially those neutrophils again, are again increased, but then this time they're sustained even if you take a cold rinse or a cold shower. Exercise is one of the major hormone modulators of metabolism. Catecholamines, along with the sympathetic nervous system, that's your nervous system that does the fight and flight response, are the major facilitators of what's called lipolytic activity after exercise. That means that the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight and flight nervous system, and their particular stress hormones stimulate fat to be broken down to be used as a source of energy. These hormones impact our metabolism directly. It has been shown that especially low to moderate exercise intensity causes hormone changes which promote fat metabolism. This particular study found that acute or short spurts of exercise or moderate intense exercise cause hormone changes that improve fat metabolism, while excessive or high volume exercise causes a maladaptation and an inappropriate hormonal response. So the conclusion is that short spurts of exercise, like a HIIT exercise, high intensity exercise, but short amounts, or moderate intense exercises cause hormone changes that improve the fat metabolism. So if you're looking for weight loss, short spurts of exercise or moderate intensity of exercise is what you want to be doing. Male hormones known as androgens, um, these are like testosterone and DHEA, increase in response to exercise, especially to resistance exercise in both men and women, whereas cortisol seems to increase only after resistance exercise in one study. DHEA is another major anti-aging hormone and increases during resistance exercise and remains elevated during recovery phase. Endurance-trained athletes like distance, long-distance runners or cyclists tend to have less pronounced hormone changes in response to exercise than those doing resistance training, such as weightlifters. And it seems that endogenous hormone production in men, uh, in other words, hormones produced within the body, is more dependent on the intensity and the mode of exercise rather than the volume of exercise. So in other words, doing short spurts of intense weightlifting tends to stimulate testosterone production rather than long workout routines. In fact, long workout routines are often counterproductive to building muscle, for example, because the cortisol increases that occur during long working uh, long workouts cause a breakdown of the muscles and proteins in the body. This is known as uh, catabolic activity. And anabolic activity is the opposite to catabolic activity in the body. In other words, anabolic 
activity means that it's, things are building up, proteins and muscles are building up. We generally want to encourage anabolic hormones such as testosterone and DHEA production because these hormones help improve lean muscle mass and they help reduce body fat by stimulating fat metabolism. This is especially important during aging when the tissues are generally in the catabolic phase, when tissues break down as a result of decline in hormones. The result of the tissue breakdown not only is the body uh, composition affected, but also physical function and libido is affected, especially in men. Therefore, when we want to improve anabolic hormones, we are potentially slowing the aging process and maintaining the quality of life and reducing risks of chronic disease. Common conditions of aging such as osteoporosis, bone loss, or sarcopenia, which is when um, aging happens, we generally lose muscle mass and gain more body fat, as well as conditions like cognitive and brain function issues that happen with aging can be attenuated by increasing muscle mass through stimulating the anabolic processes in the body through resistance training and resistance exercises. So studies have shown that there is a strong correlation between the strength of the quad muscles in the thigh and memory function. The stronger the quad muscle, the more it's exercised, the stronger it is maintained, the better the memory and the cognitive function in elderly. So let's talk a little bit about insulin and blood sugar. Simply, insulin is a hormone and that's released by the pancreas. You may think of insulin as the bus that carries sugar into the cells to be used as a source of energy. Too much insulin in the blood leads to increased sugar levels over time. High insulin levels cause inflammation, they cause obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and many, many other chronic diseases, including cancer. In US, we currently have an epidemic of insulin resistance, which means that many of us have high levels of insulin, which equates to high levels of inflammation. However, we can use exercise to combat the effects of high insulin and high blood sugar that results from what we call insulin resistance. What types of exercise and when do we exercise can potentially impact and modify insulin and blood sugar metabolism. So we can use exercise as a tool to help us overcome insulin resistance and blood sugar conditions like non-insulin dependent diabetes or type 2 diabetes. Studies have shown that one dose of 60 minutes of moderate aerobic exercise like walking or a short intense exercise like high intensity workout, like a HIIT workout, that is um, four to six times of 30 second sprints. Give it all you can for 30 seconds and then recovery of four minutes in between each, each sprint can actually reduce insulin levels for up to 48 hours in men. Blood sugar levels are reduced when low intensity exercise such as walking is performed about 15 to 30 minutes after every meal. So blood sugar is reduced 
more when exercise is performed after a meal than before a meal, though both do improve blood sugar. It's just that when you exercise after a meal, you're going to get better reduction in blood sugar and better improvements in insulin sensitivity. Now, when you exercise, including doing HIIT exercises in a fasting state, insulin sensitivity tends to improve, especially in men. In a fasted state for women, exercising in fasted state does not seem to affect insulin, blood sugar, muscle mass, or any hormones um, in terms of improvement in women. So it seems like the fasting state exercise is better for men and it doesn't really impact women that, um, that much. The studies have also shown that exercising after a large meal or after a breakfast helps improve blood sugar and insulin levels. So exercise snacks is another way of improving blood sugar and insulin sensitivity. This means doing two to three minutes of exercise every 30 to 60 minutes throughout the day, especially in sedentary lifestyles. So if you're at a desk job, it's really important for maintaining your blood sugar and insulin levels and hormone levels to get up and walk around, maybe go up the stairs, uh, have some uh, dumbbells around your desk that you can ex exercise with or have some resistant bands on your legs that you can exercise with for about two or three minutes every hour or so. Now, eating a carb meal after exercise tends to blunt the insulin sensitivity the next day while eating a protein meal or a fat meal after exercise helps maintain insulin sensitivity by the next day. So if you're exercising and then afterwards you're eating a carb meal, you're basically negating the benefits of exercise for the next day or two. But if you eat a fat or a protein meal after your exercise, you're going to maintain the benefits of exercise for at least another 24 to 48 hours. This also, this kind of eating after exercise also helps maintain your blood sugar um, and reduce inflammation by the next day. Resistant exercises using resistant bands used in menopausal women helps improve blood sugar, insulin, growth hormone, DHEA levels, body composition, cholesterol, testosterone, and metabolic risk. So 30 minutes of combined form of exercise in women, which is combining resistance, maybe resistance bands in combination with aerobics like walking or cycling helps to improve hormones and balance those hormones and the blood sugar and an insulin much more effectively than just doing an aerobic exercise by itself. Researchers also found that three times per week of aerobic, water aerobics in women, especially postmenopausal women, helps improve uh, blood sugar regulation and thyroid hormone. So that includes TSH and T4 is what they were studying in women in this study. They also found women who are suffering from hypothyroidism, especially Hashimoto's, which is a form of autoimmune thyroiditis, seem to have lower exercise endurance. 
It seems that in cycling women, exercise can have a various impact on a woman's physiology. For instance, excessive exercise in young girls can lead to weakened bones and affect menstruation. It can even stop their menstrual cycles or delay their menstrual cycles and perhaps even reduce their testosterone levels. The studies on cycling women are much more confusing and less clear, especially about the type and the timing of exercise um, during the different times of the hormone cycle. So when should women exercise? What type of exercise should women do at different times of their cycle is not yet clear. There is, however, studies looking at short-term duration of exercise, such as resistant exercises for 20 minutes or so in women can potentially increase testosterone and estradiol levels, while endurance exercises like long-distance running do the opposite, so they tend to reduce testosterone and the estrogen levels. Another note to keep in mind is that hormone contraceptives tend to reduce exercise endurance in women. So basically, women who are on birth control pills or are on IUDs with hormones, that they have a harder time with um, exercise. Bottom line is that endurance training in cycling women, so women who tend to have their menstruation, endurance training tends to cause a stress on what's called a hypothalamic adrenal ovarian axis. It's the link between the, um, the brain, your adrenal hormones, which are your stress hormones, and the ovaries. And this can lead to osteoporosis and menstrual irregularities. What the researchers also have found is that in both premenopausal and postmenopausal women, regular exercise lowers the risk of breast cancer risk. Women who tend to exercise regularly and eat phytoestrogens, that includes like non-GMO sprouted soy, flax seeds, sesame seeds, mung beans, oats as examples, tend to have improved fat metabolism more than just uh, by exercising alone. So if you're exercising, if you're a woman, especially at high risk, for breast cancer, eating those phytoestrogens in conjunction with regular exercise appears to improve fat metabolism and reduce your breast cancer risk more than just exercising alone. Either doing a short duration of HIIT exercises, the high intensity workouts, or doing a moderate intensity of 45 to 60 minute exercise seems to improve weight and cardiovascular health in postmenopausal women. However, the researchers concluded that HIIT exercises may be a better option for postmenopausal women because they're enjoyable and the compliancy is better because it's a short spurt of 15, 20 minutes, three times a week. Just to summarize everything we have talked about during this podcast, I just want to reiterate that moderate combined exercise of aerobics and resistance three times per week for 30 minutes or 150 minutes to 300 minutes per week seems to be the most beneficial in impacting 
hormones positively for both men and women, especially postmenopausal women. Men tend to respond better to exercise in a fasted state in terms of their insulin and blood sugar and testosterone levels and so forth, while women do not. Exercising in heat improves immune function and it also stimulates even further the stress hormones, but it all is reversed after a cold rinse. So I do encourage people to take a cold rinse if you're exercising in heat to reduce the inflammation in your system. Exercising after breakfast or in the afternoon seems to help balance blood sugar and insulin sensitivity as well. So if you're gonna pick a time of the day to exercise, it's best to do it either 30, 40 minutes after breakfast or in the afternoon. We don't know why the afternoon works, but it seems to be beneficial. And finally, short bursts of resistance exercises, such as hit exercises, using dumbbells, push-ups, body weight exercises tend to improve testosterone levels and androgen levels, as well as blood sugar and insulin, as well as mood, libido, and muscle mass. I hope this podcast has been useful for you. Before starting any exercise program, please remember to consult your own physician or contact one of our physicians at Holistique. This is holistique.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Thank you again for listening to Holistique Health Hour. Signing off to your health, this is Dr. Nusheen K. Darvish.